This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. Liverpool have quickly got to put the frustration of dropping two points in the Premier League on Saturday behind them because on Tuesday they travelled to Porto for their second match in Group B of the Champions League. The Reds got off to the perfect start when they beat AC Milan 3-2 at Anfield two weeks ago and they'll be confident of making it six points from six given they've had Porto's number in recent years. However, the Portuguese side did earn an excellent 0-0 draw at Atletico Madrid on match day one and like Liverpool, they've made an unbeaten start to the season. So to learn more about Porto, I picked up the phone to Portuguese football expert Alex Gonçalves. We talked Diogo Jota, who will be facing his former club on Tuesday, as well as Marco Gruitch, who will be doing the same. Plus two midfielders Liverpool were linked with in the summer and the star forward who came close to joining Everton. Enjoy and we'll be back on Monday with the Blood Red podcast. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red channel. Hi Alex, uh, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. How are you doing? Hi Paul, yeah, it's been a while. I'm very well, thanks. And uh, and yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to, to previewing what should be a, a very intriguing clash, I think. Yeah, I think we've, we'll give the game away there when we say it's good to be back on there because you have been on before because <laughs> Liverpool and Porto have played each other before. There's no doubt we're going to delve into over this next 15 to 20 minutes. So uh, we're recording the show the day after Liverpool had to settle for a 3-3 draw at Brentford, which felt like two points dropped, but, you know, it did still take them one point clear at the top. Uh, so it's been a good start for Liverpool. How have Porto been getting on in the Premier La Liga? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's been, a, it's been a solid start to the season for Porto. I mean, they're undefeated this campaign, yet to lose across all competitions, actually. Um they're already a little bit adrift at the top of the table. There's a, a four-point gap between them and Benfica at the top, uh, who, who have been perfect. They've won all seven of their league matches so far. Uh, but, I mean, it's still touching distance. Uh, it's very early days. So, I would say it's been a good start, as as you would expect. Uh, they, they've got points in just two matches against the reigning champions in Sporting and uh, away to Maritimo on the island of Madeira. So, you know, that can always be a bit of a, a, a banana skin anyway. So there's nothing really too concerning about the matches they've, they've slipped up in. Um, you know, they've had a couple of scares. I mean, they were leading for Malikan 2-0 at half-time uh, a few weeks ago, but looked like they actually paid back to 2-2 right at the end, only to be saved by VAR, who had judged that the Malikan player was, was offside by the by the smallest of, of margins. Um, and then it, in their last match against the uh, Vicente, uh, it was only a, a stunning late Sergio Oliveira free kick that actually gave them all three points. So, you know, there, there have been a few a few hairy moments, you could say, but overall, you know, it's been a, a, a solid beginning to the season and, and, of course, their true test is, is going to be in the Champions League. You said it there, that Sporting are the uh, defending champions. I think Porto won the title of the season before that and the one before that was Benfica, who are currently top. Like in England at the moment with uh, Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea, it does seem a very competitive title race, would that be fair to say? It's pretty interesting at the top of uh, the Portuguese league. Yeah, 100%. I mean, of course, the, the sporting win of the of the title last year was a, was a huge surprise. I don't think anyone expected them to be remotely competitive, really, for the title uh, at the start of the season. Uh, and that's really just set up for what should be a, an even better season this year because, uh, of course, we've got all of the big three still undefeated at the top of the table, battling to lift the title. Uh, and, and I think it's just, it's wide open. It's really difficult to predict, much like in, in, in England as well, where I think there's like uh, five or six teams within one point of each other. So it's uh, 
it's going to be fascinating. I think Benfica probably have to be considered favourites. You know, they they were the side that strengthened their team the most in the transfer market, and and I think that they they just want revenge, having seen their arch rivals lift the, the the title last season. But I mean, it's just it's too early to say. And I think I think Porto, of course, will be right in the hunt too. And and so yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to call. I would say it's Benfica to lose right now, but um, oh, it's it's going to be fascinating for sure. From the outside, it seems to be a, a good time for Portuguese football. You know, the success that the national side has had in recent years, winning two major tournaments, and by the number of Portuguese players playing in the Premier League currently, which we, we will come to. So what is the, the standard of the domestic league outside, and not just including the big three, but outside of that big three as well? I think I think it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's quite difficult to judge. I mean, of course, we a, a good way of, of looking at it is how the, the teams outside of the big three or the big four... Um, perform on the European stage and we saw uh, for example Rio Ave last year uh, they took AC Milan all the way to penalties in the in the Europa League playoff match they were they were so close to uh, to knocking out you know the, the Italian giants uh, and they ended up getting relegated that year in, in the Portuguese league so I think that kind of that says that there is there is good quality in in the Portuguese top flight throughout throughout the division outside of the, the big four and I think it often doesn't quite get the, the appreciation it deserves. I mean, we saw uh, Vitoria Guimarães uh, a couple of years ago. They took a point off Arsenal. They beat Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, this year, we saw Santa Clara come so close to being able to reach the Europa Conference League group stage. And they probably could have done if they hadn't sold their, their star man uh, a few days before the crucial playoff second leg match uh, against Partizan Belgrade. So I think I think it's just... it's. It's a great league. There are a couple of teams that I think could, you know, perhaps not quite at the at the standard. But you see teams that come up into the division. They're always competitive. They always bring a, a, a breath of fresh air. So I think I think it's got a lot more quality than than people give it credit for. If anyone follows your excellent Twitter accounts, and if you don't, you'll be able to see it in the, the description to this podcast, uh, wherever, you get, wherever you get your podcast. You, you obviously talk a lot about the domestic division, but you you also focus a lot on the players who are playing in England because there's just so many and as I said earlier we are going to touch on a, a few in a moment is it a sore surprise for you know Portuguese people and football fans to see the number playing over here in England and not just playing over here the stars in some of the, the biggest clubs in the country uh, yeah it's, it's incredible isn't it I mean I think I think the problem is it's got to the point where we kind of just take it for granted a little bit but we've got to we've got to take a step back and realise just how ludicrous it is that there are so many as you say, not just Portuguese players, but Portuguese stars all around the continent. In England specifically, I would I would say is predominantly the case. But yeah, all around the continent, the biggest clubs, um, and it, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal because of course it's a, it's a small nation, it's a, a football mad country, but it's it's a small a small nation nonetheless. Um, and the, the the sheer explosion really of of Portuguese players playing in England is 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 quite startling. I mean, of course. At the beginning of the Premier League era, there were there were no Portuguese players mm-hmm. in England for for the first decade. I would say there were very few, um, if any, and and yeah, it's just it's just gone it's gone insane, really. And of course, the return of Ronaldo as well that's just kind of brought a, a whole new dimension to, to proceedings. Um, and, and it's not it's not just Wolves, of course. Everyone says that Wolves is like the the mini Portugal of England, but you've got Manchester City, you've got a trio of stars there. You've got Manchester United, they've now got Bruno and, and Ronaldo. You've got uh, Liverpool with Diogo Jota, they're, they're all over the place and they're all they're all taking on such a, a key role for their clubs as well. So it's, it's amazing to see and we really got to appreciate it while it lasts. 
Yeah, you mentioned Jota there. He's been nothing short of a revelation since he signed from Wolves last season. Another goal for him on Saturday in that 3-3 draw at Brentford. Uh, He took an interesting path, you know, before eventually arriving at Anfield and it did include a loan season at Porto. So I think anyone who'd seen him at the clubs he played for before Liverpool, particularly Wolves, knew he was a good player. You know, Jurgen Klopp, Michael Edwards, the recruitment team clearly saw that too. But have you been surprised just how big an impact he's made at Liverpool? Because... He's come in and really, for a lot of people now, he may have actually broken up that first choice front three of uh, Salah, Mane and Firmino. For a, for a lot of people now, they'd probably start Jota above Firmino. I, yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, I thought that he would be a, a really good signer, but I, I did think that he was going to be uh, serving as kind of the backup. So the speed at which he managed to break into the, 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 the starting eleven and break up that magnificent starting trio was quite spectacular. He really took his chance very well. Um, and, and he proved incredibly cl- clinical as well. I mean, we always knew he was quite a good goal scorer, but uh, but this, the rate at which he was scoring, particularly when he first joined, was 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 very impressive. And he's kind of just continued with that now. And I think the the good thing for him is that the front three just really complement each other very well. You know, they're uh, they're all very attacking. They all seem to be in perfect sync as well. Uh, and I think he also just kind of benefited from the fact that Fabinho is not not exactly an out and out goal scorer, you know. Um so I think I think he's just he's taken his chance incredibly well. And um if he can if he can start playing that well for Portugal, that would be fantastic. Who is Portugal's first choice from three or four? You know, we have this discussion about <laughs> Liverpool, probably have this discussion about England as well, but if you look at the right the Portuguese yeah. ranks, some unbelievable players. Would Jota be in there? Well, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's a, it's a tough job to to take on. You know, you've got this luxury of riches at your disposal, just like England as well. You could you could take out three, the, the the three that you choose, and you can choose three more, and you'd be you'd be perfectly happy with what you get. So, it's um, I, I think Shot has got to start for Portugal. Though I think he's he's earned his right to to be a starter until until someone else manages to to push him aside. But of course, yeah, you've got Pedro Neto who's injured at the moment, and he would be. He'd be doing the same thing. I think he'd be pushing for a starting place as well. Um, so, I mean, it's it's quite extraordinary, I, I, is, is all I can say. Um, but I think Jota, Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, they are they're pretty much the established front three as it stands. But there's a long way into the World Cup and a lot can change. So we'll, we'll see if they manage to keep their place. You mentioned Ronaldo there, I think, even people of a Liverpool persuasion, anyone who saw that Highland game recently would probably have a, a grudging respect for what he did there. He is a, a goal scorer supreme, there's no doubt about that. And he's obviously back in the Premier League with Manchester United and he's back straight into the goals. How do you see that move working out for him? You know, you, you've probably seen him more than me in recent years. Is he as good as ever? Is his, has his game changed? Do you think he can lead Manchester United to glory? You know, how do you see it working out? Well, the the beauty of Ronaldo is that he is just determined to succeed. I don't I don't know if there is a player as committed to succeeding as there is with Cristiano Ronaldo, and I think that's ultimately the reason that he's managed to modify his game so successfully over the years to kind of tailor his style to what he's actually capable of doing. So he's he's, he's still that phenomenal footballer. He's still amazing with the ball at his feet, but he knows that he's not quite got that. A little bit, maybe he's just lost that little bit of energy that he used to have. So he's managed to adapt it, and he's done it perfectly, pretty much every year that he's had to do that. So if he's going to be a success, I mean, 
honestly, this Man United team looks pretty much perfect at the moment. The, the strength and depth they have is phenomenal. And if they don't manage to do it now, having added this final piece of the puzzle with Ronaldo, then I'm just not sure really how, how, how else they would manage to do it, particularly with this manager. I think this, you know, he, he doesn't particularly have much excuse anymore to not deliver some sort of tangible success. And I think that I, I find it very difficult to see how they won't. Well, I say, I mean, again, the, 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 the thing with the English Premier League is that there are five or six teams that are all thinking the exact same thing, that they, they've got to be lifting a trophy this year. So, yeah, it, it's so difficult to call. It, it really is. But I think that this is as good a chance as, as they've, they've had in the past decade to, to lift the trophy, I think. And they've managed to do it with worse teams before. So, I mean, I, I would back them to potentially maybe lift, maybe lift the FA Cup or something. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. We will see. We'll see. Obviously, out of the Carabao Cup and not to the best of starts yeah. in the Champions League, but you know, plenty of time to to rectify that. We'll, we're going to stay in the Champions League now, but concentrate on that Liverpool versus Porto game, as we've alluded to. With these sides know each other, uh, and probably when Liverpool, yeah. it, it's a tough group. It's a really tough group with Atletico Madrid and AC Milan in there as well, and there's probably a feeling within the Liverpool fan base, it was like, oh, Porto again, right? How, how was it? How would you think Porto would have felt getting Liverpool again in this season's Champions League? Oh, well, I mean, as you say, it's, it's a ridiculous group, really. It's, a, it's, a, it's an old-school Champions League group. It's the kind of thing that the neutrals really want to see. And I think I think the way Porto fans will look at it is, is it's a spectacular challenge. You know, it's, it's an amazing challenge for them. They know that they're the underdogs, but equally they're optimistic. You know, the Porto fans are always optimistic. They always expect their side to do well. But I think this will be realistic. They'll look at the fact that they've drawn Liverpool again. They'll have seen how... Poorly, they managed to perform against Liverpool in, in their last uh, few meetings, which there have been a few over the last few years. Um, and so they'll recognise that this is an incredibly difficult match against one of the very best teams in the world. Um, so I think I think it's just it's one of those that you've got to put your hands up and say, you know, if we manage to even come third in this group, it's a, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good uh, result. But I undoubtedly, undoubtedly, Porto are aiming for top two here. And the thing is, they've given themselves a, a foothold, haven't they? You know, it would have been a competitive group from the get-go anyway, but particularly after Porto's nil-nil draw at Atletico on match day one, that must have given them some confidence because I know Atletico aren't notoriously a, a big score inside, but any team who goes to their ground and gets something, you know, that's, it was a great result. Must have, must have been really pleased with that. A huge result, yeah. I mean, amazing result for Porto, of course, managing to secure a point away to, to the La Liga champions, of course. And, uh, and the team they will ultimately be hoping to compete with uh, for that second place spot in the group is Atletico Madrid. So it's a it's a huge it's a huge thing to be able to take points away from home. Of course there's a long way to go, you know, AC Milan. I mean let's not forget that they're, they're gonna be throwing a spanner in the works as well. And of course they push Liverpool all the way. Uh but from a Porto's perspective they couldn't really do much more. You know, they they made a really promising start to the Champions League season. You know, neither side really had too many major goal scoring opportunities in that one. And I think Porto was set up defensively very well. And I think I think that's just that's just the way Porto are. You know, they're very experienced in this competition. They've got a manager that's that's been with them for a long time now. That he's managed quite a few Champions League matches, and this is this is just this is what they can do. They can really frustrate. They can frustrate very good sides. And I think they've come a long way since they played uh, Liverpool in that in those those couple of of massive thrashings that they suffered uh, a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, I think that the, the last one was April 2019. I've got written down here. It's uh, it was six one, and I could, yeah. got through to the semi-finals, yeah. and really the rest was history. Barcelona, and then Tottenham in the final <laughs> in Madrid. Do you think Porto have improved since then? You know, uh, are they a better side now than than maybe they were a couple of years ago? I mean, to be honest, I would argue that that in some aspects it's worse. I think in terms of individual quality, that team that, that Liverpool managed to push aside so easily well, that had had a lot of quality in it. Um, you know, we obviously had Danilo Pereira, who's now at PSG. We had Eder Militao, uh, now at Real Madrid, doing a good job. We have we had there was uh, Felipe and Hector Herrera, who were both snapped up by Atletico Madrid. Alex Telles, now at Man United. You know, there were big names. There were big names, good leaders in in that team. So the fact that Liverpool pushed them aside, I think, was testament just to, to how good they were that year. Not so much how how poor Liverpool, uh, how poor Porto were. Um, Equally, I think that this squad is, is very well drilled. It's got good balance to it. And they know how to play successfully in, in different ways as a collective. And I think that's really important. You know, The strength of this squad is in the collective rather than the individuals. That's not to say they don't have individual quality because they've got a few real standout stars in that, in that team. But I think that their, uh, their ability to be well drilled and organised is, is really what manages to give them an element of success in, in the Champions League. And of course, they managed to... They managed to get through against Juventus last year based on that. Of course. I'm going to ask you about a couple of individuals. I say you've, you've pointed out there that the collective more important, but there's just a couple of names I want to ask you about. And the first one's probably an obvious one is, is Marco Gruitz because <clears throat> he made the move from Liverpool to Porto in the summer. Uh, I think he's played three, four times so far this season. How's he been getting on? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Gruitz, uh, who was on loan initially, now joined permanently. I think a pretty shrewd ac- acquisition for a relatively reasonable price for, for someone who is a very solid defensive midfielder. We haven't seen too much of him this season, really, in part due to injury. But um, he's also not... I, I wouldn't say he's expected to be a consistent starter for the club. He is a very good option to have, though, and, and he proved that against Atletico Madrid. And I think he could definitely start against Liverpool, too. I think it seems that uh, Conceição likes to play him in the Champions League more than the league um, when you know they're playing against higher-quality opposition and, and need a bit more defensive cover, uh, considering they will inevitably be on the back foot more often. So... I think we saw we saw against Atletico Madrid a, a very accomplished defensive midfielder. He played the full 90 minutes. He did a great job at limiting the space that Atletico Madrid had, forcing them to, to you know have to work that a little bit harder. So he's, been, he's, he's I think he's a good signing. I think he is a player that's going to be pretty important to them in this incredibly difficult uh, Champions League group. Carry on with the midfield theme uh, and some of his midfield partners at Porto, because his departure, his departure, sorry, uh, in the summer and particularly that of Jim Ronaldo left some believing in the Liverpool fan base that Jurgen Klopp would go on to strengthen his midfield in the summer. That didn't happen, but he were linked with so many midfielders, which we reported in the Liverpool Echo and, and on the Blood Red podcast channel, and two of them are from Porto: Otavio and the youngster Fabio Vieira. Can you tell us a little bit about both, even if they, I say we'll, we'll know in time if Liverpool were seriously interested, but the two names I'm sure Liverpool fans will be looking at on Tuesday night if they play, what what kind of players are they? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of both of them. They're both very good, very good players. I, I, you can see why Liverpool would, would potentially be interested in both of them. Uh, with Otavio, you know, he's, he's hardworking, he's committed, and to go with that, he's just a very good, he's a very good player. I think one of his main positives that would have, you know, of particular interest to Liverpool is his versatility. Uh, he's able to play on the wing as well as in central midfield, more commonly if it's a midfield three, which is, is probably why Liverpool were, were keen on him. Um, 
because he is able to operate as a very strong option in, in multiple areas of the field. Um, and of course, it's it's good to have one player that can serve two or three roles than, than have to buy two or three players. A bit like, I guess, James Miller in that respect. Um, but I think at the same time, calling him just a utility man would, would do him a huge disservice, I think, because he is a, a very good footballer, even called up to the, the Portugal national team in the last squad, despite being Brazilian-born, which, uh, which tells you that he is very highly regarded in Portugal. Uh, he's very good on the ball. He's composed. Uh, he, he's, he's confident with his um, he's very tidy close control which allows him to kind of turn out of the tight spaces and, and dribble at the fences and also he's just got a very good pass he, he's a great passing range he's able to pick out his man and thread balls through the back line so it's just a very he would have been a very shrewd a very shrewd acquisition for Liverpool um, in terms of with uh, Fabio Vieira I think that uh, one of the complaints really that a lot of supporters have had about Sergio Conceição is his lack of faith in, in Porto's uh, catalogue of impressive youth players. <laughs> so that's kind of changed somewhat this season. And one player that really kind of was given his fair share of game time, even last season, uh, was Fabio Vieira, who, who's, who's been given a, a chance again this, this campaign. And he's just been he's just been very impressive. You know, it's incredibly highly rated among Porto supporters, and you can absolutely see why. Um, I think if you if you want to see what his capabilities are, probably the, the match to check out is the one against Moreirense. I mean, that was particularly stunning and an illustration of what he can do. Uh, and, and unsurprisingly, he was named in the Premier League team of the week after that as well. He got a hat-trick of assists, you know, in a, in a 5-0 destruction of Moreirense. And it was just a, a perfect illustration of, of his creativity and, and, and passing ability. And you can see why he's he's rated so highly. He was named the the player of the tournament at the under twenty one Euros, and I think I think he's destined for absolutely huge things. I really do. Liverpool fans will be keeping an eye on those two players on Tuesday night, and I'm sure uh, fans of Liverpool's rivals Everton might be having a sneaky uh, peek at a Porto player who they were linked <laughs> with before the transfer windows closed. Uh, Luis Diaz. Uh, it sounds like the hopes of doing that collapse stuff they didn't, they couldn't agree a swap deal of sorts, uh, including involving James Rodriguez. Uh, the stats certainly this season, uh, uh, you know, underline why Diaz is so highly rated. Uh, but just how good is he? Good is he? And and how big a danger will he be to Liverpool on Tuesday? Yeah, I mean that was a really interesting story with with Everton. I mean that would have been a phenomenal sign because I, as much as I praise the other two players, I think that. For me, Luis Diaz is is the star man at the moment at the club, arguably the best player in the Primera Liga, and I think it was it would have been a, an impressive coup if, if Everton had managed to uh, to sign him. You know, he's, he's really stepped up so far this season, uh, and and he's just a player that can really make things happen and inject some some attacking energy and momentum into the game. He's very positive, very direct on the ball, and it's just a nightmare for defenders. Um, and of course, he's already shown that he can step up against quality opposition too. I think some people may remember that he scored that sensational individual goal against Manchester City in the Champions League last season mm-hmm. as he kind of weaved his way through the defence. So um, a starting footballer and, and one that you would imagine will be leaving Porto within the next year or so, whether that will be Everton or, or someone else, I don't know. But I think I think many people thought that he'd already have left for a more lucrative league uh, this summer because he, he's he's just he's that good. And I mean, he's proved it this season. He's, he's already the top scorer in the league with five goals in seven games. And if Porto are to be able to cause Liverpool any any major problems uh, next week, then I think that he's going to be absolutely crucial. I think he's the man that they're more often than not going to turn to for some inspiration. So, um, excellent playing Diaz. 
good midfielders, unbeaten start to the season. That's balanced against <laughs> the fact that the previous meetings Liverpool did win pretty comfortably. How do you think Porto are going to approach this game on uh, on Tuesday night? I think they'll do it. They'll do it the same way they they did against Atletico Madrid. I think it'll be um, defence first kind of uh, structure, but similarly they're at home this time. They'll be wanting to to have some opportunities. They'll be looking to go on the counter. I think they'll 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 be adventurous at times. They'll they'll pick their moments. But the the beauty of this this Porto team is their adaptability. I think they they will recognise this opposition that has such capable players. Particularly on the counter, it's great. If you if you give them a chance to, to counter against you, then then you're you're asking for trouble. So I think they will they'll they'll be very well organised uh, as they were against Atletico Madrid, and just hope that they they get some chances and, and manage to take those chances when they do come around. But it's going to be a huge ask for them to get anything from this match. I think that's probably my final question. Then can they get anything? What's your prediction for the match? I mean, I, I think it should it should certainly be closer than the previous. A couple of occasions that these two sides have met in Porto, you know, I, 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 that's not saying much. Of course, they were slashed both times, but I, I think that Conceição knows how to get performances out of his sides as a collective, out of this group of players particularly, and, and he thrives on these Champions League nights. Personally, I see Liverpool getting the job done over the course of 90 minutes, but I'm I'm optimistic that Liverpool will, uh, that Porto, sorry, will be able to give a good account of themselves. I think maybe a 2-1 Liverpool victory is is, is most likely, and I think. Porto fans won't be content with it, but I think that they will will understand that and and will take some encouragement from the fact that they, they would be able to make it as close as that. And it's a huge improvement from what they what they managed to do last time they met. It will be. I think we'd shake hands on that right now. Uh, Alex, once again, thank you very much for your insight into Porto and Portuguese football. It's fascinating. Uh, always to listen to you. And I know it was a couple of years since you've been back on the podcast, but no doubt we'll be speaking <laughs> again later this season. Uh, thank you again uh, for taking your time to speak to us. Absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.